Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. all of our kiddos and all of our children's church workers and also our prayer team ministry is going out to pray at this time so we appreciate them. Uh, wow, it's been a good day, huh? Already. And uh, I look at the clock and it's 11.25 and I'm like, uh-oh, man, I'm getting on crunch time again, but I really want to share the rest of this message with you. Are you guys okay with giving me about another 20, 25 minutes or so? You all right with that? All right, I know it's getting late. Um, anyhow, uh, I guess Michael and Rachel are changing the baby or something. All right, remind, I, wanna, I don't want to miss that opportunity, so let me do that at the end of the service, okay? All right, take out your Bibles, if you will, please. Let me jump right into the message, and then there's a few more other things I want to do at the end of the service. Uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 147 in verse number 3. Psalm 147 in verse number 3. This is a continuation of last week's message as we were speaking on the subject of God's healing grace and how God administers healing to us and how God, uh, as the scripture says, how he heals the brokenhearted and he, and he binds up our wounds. And that's what Psalm 147 in verse number 3 states. If you remember um, last week I shared with you in my 20 plus years of ministry there is one thing that I have come to learn that we all go through battles, we all have heartaches, we all have emotional scars, some even may have some very fresh emotional wounds that are, that are still open and, and you're trying to deal with some of those things. Well, I, I've got good news for you. I personally cannot heal any of that. But we serve a sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, God that's able to carry out the promise that he gave us in Psalm 147 in verse number 3 where it says that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Now it doesn't say that he might heal. It doesn't say as long as you be a good person he will heal. It says he heals the brokenhearted. Aren't you glad of that? I mean every single one of us and here, here's, here's one thing I've discovered as well. Behind every face, there's a heartache. And I realize that every single one of you that are sitting here have something that if you sat in my office long enough and I could finger around in your heart and ask the penetrating questions and get down deep into your heart and into your soul, into your emotional closet, there's something that every single one of us almost could just break down and cry over right now. Hello? I realize that. We live in a hurting world. As a matter of fact, we are not promised a world of ease. There's no promise of that anywhere in Scripture. But there is promise that He can heal the brokenhearted and He can bind up our wounds. Well, the obvious question to that that we're trying to unpack, and we've been unpacking now. This is the second Sunday on unpacking these. 
The obvious question is how. How in the world does God heal the brokenhearted? How in the world does he bind up our wounds? How in the world? You say, preacher, you just don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand the emotional pain that I'm carrying. You, don't, you just don't understand how full my emotional closet is. And the best way for me to deal with that is to shut the door, lock it, throw away the key, never open it up again. Let me tell you guys, that's the worst thing you could do. You will literally almost incarcerate yourself and, and, and just die. A miserable death bound by your emotional wounds and scars and heartaches that you refuse to deal with. The best way to, to handle it is to deal with them. The best way to handle it is to open up the claws and then pull them out one at a time and start giving them to our God who promises us that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. How does he do that? How in the world does he do that? Well, I'm certainly not here trying to play God, and I don't have all the answers, but there's a few things that I have discovered in His Word, some ways that He heals up the brokenhearted. If you will, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, this is a passage of Scripture that I used just this week. Matter of fact, I've used it three times this week in counseling because it's so powerful. It just changes our mindset. I used it three times in two counseling sessions and one meeting that I was in and, and then kind of the thought came up or the subject came up where I thought, man, they need this verse of Scripture. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your spiritual worship. But pay attention to verse 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be what? Transformed. Do not be conformed to this age. Now, on Sunday mornings, I take everything out of my pockets. I have nothing in my pockets, but through the week, I carry a wallet. And there's a reason why I have nothing in my pockets. When I was in Bible college and I had to give my homiletics sermon in my homiletics class to my homiletics teacher... The, the church and the college where I went, they had a TV ministry. And in this chapel, there were two, or this auditorium that seats thousands, there's these two huge, massive TV cameras. And so I'm standing up there in front of about 100 preacher boys and in this huge, massive auditorium. And there's these massive TV cameras. And they bring in their whole sound crew and their TV crew. And, the, and they film these young preachers preaching their first message. Now, that in itself was pretty intimidating. But the worst part about it was that after I was done delivering my, my message in Bible college, then I got to sit down with my homiletics professor. And we watched the video, which I promise you was painful for me. I was amazed at all the stupid things that I did while I spoke. And sometimes I'm still amazed at some of the stupid things I say and do while I'm speaking. But one of the things that I did, I, I just rattled in my pockets all the time. I had change or keys or something. I was rattling. He said, one thing you've got to do, you must empty your pockets before you preach. The other thing I did, I paced. I was back and forth. I was, I was one of those pacing preachers, just back and forth, just back and forth. I would go and I would just ranting and raving and preaching and carrying on. He said, at some point, you must stand still. <laughs> those are a couple of things. It, it got more painful than that, but there, that's why. The point I'm trying to make is... Matter of fact, someone once told me, said, you know what, if I believe I tied up your hands, you couldn't speak at all. And you know, that's true. I've got to have my hands in order to speak. 
You know, watch this. Did you, you see that? Anyway, if I had my wallet in my pocket right now, you would notice that the wallet that I've been carrying now, it's a new wallet, I've been carrying it for several months now, and the other one got worn, worn out. Mr. Lauderdale, hint, hint. My old wallet got worn out, and so, uh, so I got a new wallet, and the new wallet that I have now, that I've had for about three or four months, I guess I've had it, it really looks, it's taken on a whole new form and shape now that it's been in my pocket next to my body and me sitting, right? Well, that's kind of a word picture of what the Word of God's telling us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. Do not be conformed, molded to this age, but be transformed. And the reason my wallet has gone through this transformation is because it stays really, really close to me. Hello? I mean, everywhere I go and when I sit down, or what, it's right there on my hip. So therefore, it has conformed to the curvature of my hip because it has been extremely close to me. You know what we're to be, guys? The Scripture says that we are not to be conformed, molded into the image of this world, but we are to be transformed, and there's a way that we are to be transformed, and the Bible says that we are to be transformed, how? By the what? Renewing of our what? Our minds. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're to be transformed, not conformed to the world, simply by the renewing and the refreshing of our mind so that we may discern what is the good and pleasable and perfect will of God. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks within himself, so is he. As a man thinks within himself, so is he. I don't have time to go back and unpack all the introduction of this, so that's as far as I'm going to go. But I will say this. The Bible teaches that our beliefs determines our behavior. How we believe on a particular anything determines how we behave in this life. So I just want you to understand Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks within himself, so is he. Now I must quickly move through this, and I, as I shared last week, I, I believe this message and this two-part message now can be life-changing for a lot of people if we would just change the way we think. And the way we must change the way we think is we must guard the eye gate and we must guard the ear gate. We must pay attention to what we're reading and who we're reading after and what we're watching and who we are allowing to influence us by what comes in the eye gate. And we also must pay attention by, by who we allow to influence us by what comes in the ear gate. In other words, we must regulate what comes in because what comes in eventually will come out. And the scripture says, as a man thinks, so is he. So therefore, we must fill ourselves with the Word of God, with the principles of God, and, and stay close to Him in order to be transformed. You see, a lot of, as I shared last week, please go back and listen to the podcast. It's on the internet. Go to victorychurchonline.net, click on the podcast, you can get to it. And you can hear all this introduction. But as we talk about how a man, or as a man thinks, so is he. You see, there's a lot of people that think of themselves as failures because someone's told them they're a failure. 
there's, there's people that think of themselves of no value whatsoever because someone has told them they are of no value. Well, I want to try to share with you the last three things that God is speaking to us and we need to learn to listen to Him instead of listening to this world. The first thing I shared with you last week is that because of God's grace, the Bible says that I am acceptable. And boy, I don't have time to go back and unpack that one. You need to listen to podcasts, get a hold of that. And that would take care of a lot of self-esteem, low self-esteem problems with individuals in our world today. We are acceptable. The second thing we talked about last week is because of God's grace, the Bible says that I am valuable. Boy, there's great value on your life. And, and we unpacked about how, how do we determine value is by who owns it and how much someone's willing to pay for it. And well, right here today is a great example of who owns us and what our God was willing to pay for us. And that brings great value on our life. Let me try real quickly to share the last three things with you. Because of God's grace, the Bible says that I am lovable. Now, I know some of you may laugh right there, but I promise you I am lovable. And you know what? You are lovable. We all are lovable. You know, that ought to make us feel a little bit good, especially when we have been rejected in this life. Have you ever been rejected? We all have faced some form of rejection, whether it be from a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a husband or a wife or a mother or a father or somebody out there. We've all been rejected in some form or another, and we feel like nobody loves us. Have you ever thought maybe everybody's abandoned me? My dad's abandoned me, my mom's abandoned me, my family's abandoned me, and and I guess I'm just an unlovable person. I'm one of those people that nobody could ever really love. You see, that's the world's thinking. You got to understand that our God says, I love you. That we are lovable because of his grace. Listen to what Isaiah 54 and verse number 10 says. Isaiah 54, 10, get a hold of this. The scripture says, though the mountains move and the hills shake, I get a hold of that. Though the earthquakes come and go, though the storms come and go, the mountains are moving and the hills are shaking. He says, my love, what? Will not be removed from you. Once again, I think I said it last week, that's almost, Brother Tom, enough to make an Episcopalian shout just a little bit. When we realize, regardless of our circumstances, regardless what may happen in our life, regardless of what kind of physical ailment or sickness I may have, regardless of the circumstances that I find myself in, the Bible says, though the mountains move and the hills shake, God says, I will not remove my what? Love from you. Amen? I will always love you. My covenant, my peace will not be shaken. Though your world is shaken, though your foundation seems like it's crumbling, though your financial situation is not where you want it to be, though your health situation is not where you want it to be. I, I shared with, 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 um, with Jerry and Rebecca, listen, although you're in a horrible situation right now, God is still there. Our world can get rocked. Amen? But I want you to know God's world is never rot. And He says, I love you. He says, it will not be removed from you. Listen, the good news is, God's love will never, ever end. He will always love you. You see, I think there are two characteristics that makes God's love different from human love. Characteristic number one, jot this down if you will please, in your sermon notes. By the way, I failed to mention... If you have a question about anything, text it in. And I'll try my best to answer those questions. 
But here we see the two differences or characteristics of God's love, how it's different than human love. Number one, God's love is consistent. I mean, His love is consistent. It's never going to end. It's not fickle. It's not going to change ever, ever. If He loved you yesterday, He'll love you tomorrow. And thank God He loves us today. His love is always consistent. You see, maybe some of you have grown up with a parent that showed their love to you very inconsistently. Maybe you haven't felt that you've been loved by someone. Or maybe you felt like you've been abandoned. Let me tell you, God's love is consistent. As a matter of fact, I think a lot of times people that have grown up with an inconsistent love, that produces insecure children. Hello? And boy, if we want security in our children, you, you emphasize your unconditional love for your children regardless of what they do because I promise you kids will embarrass you from time to time. Hello? You don't think so? Well, let me bring your child up here in front and let me ask some questions. All of our kids will embarrass us from time to time. And we, listen, have embarrassed our parents as well. Hello? But here's what I want you to understand. God's love for us is consistent. It's always there. And he tells us, according to Isaiah 54, 10, that his love is never, ever going to end for us. Second thing about God's love, how it differs from human love, is that God's love is unconditional. I mean, listen, God's love for you is not based on your performance. Hello? God's love for you is not based on how good of a person you are. As I shared at the beginning of the service, I'm amazed how when I got into my late teenage years and I got into my junior and senior year of high school, how I really got away from God. And I started living the wild party life into my 20 and 21, and then God got a hold of my heart again, thank God. Hello? But you know what I discovered? God's love for me was unconditional. Regardless of my performance, regardless of your performance. You see, a lot of times we like to look at people and we like to put this agenda on them and somehow we want to explain it. If you do these things, God will love you. You know what? It doesn't matter what you do. God will love you. Hello? His love for you is unconditional. His love for you is consistent and His love for you is unconditional. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on whether you measure up or not. God loves you, period. That's it. Matter of fact, turn in your Bibles, if you will. I love this passage of Scripture in the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 8. I want you to get a hold of this. Boy, if you don't get anything else, get this one. You, You can write this passage of Scripture for a long, long time. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 35. Listen to what this says. And I'm talking about how because of God's grace we are lovable. And I'm talking about how God loves us regardless. How his love for us is consistent. How his love for us is unconditional. Look in Romans chapter 8 verse 35. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? The writer of Romans asks. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. And we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am persuaded, the author continues, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what the good news is there? The good news is that God will always, or that God loves you. And there's nothing that will separate you from God's love. The good news is He loves you. And I guess the greater news, He always will. Listen, we are, because of God's grace, a lovable people. Hello? So don't let anybody tell you that you are not lovable. You let them know, listen, yes I am. I'm changing the way I think. I'm going to quit listening to the world. I'm going to start listening to a holy God. And he says that he loves me. And whenever I understand that I am a lovable person, regardless what my wife may say, regardless what my children may say, regardless what my mom and dad may say, regardless what my friends may say, regardless what the world may tell me, I know that I am lovable because I have a God in heaven who proved his love for me when he sent his son on the cross to die. Hello? Amen. You know what that builds an individual? That builds security. That builds confidence. That builds great self-esteem. I'm going a little bit further with this. Can, can you handle it? Can you stay with me? Let me give you number, what, three, four. Number four. Because of God's grace, the Bible says that I am forgivable. Not only am I acceptable, not only am I valuable, not only am I lovable, but also I am forgivable. Somebody ought to park right there and say, Hallelujah. Because I'll be the first one to raise my hand. There are times when I absolutely blow it. I mean, my, my mouth will say something and I'll offend someone and, and I'll hurt somebody with some stupid statement that I'll say. And I'll be the first one to admit it. You don't have to tell me that. But thank God I am forgivable. Hello? And thank God you are forgivable. Listen, we need this one, guys, because every single one of us make mistakes. There's not one of us here that is perfect. But let me ask you a question whenever you think about this point I am forgivable do you feel like God is ticked off at you let me share a little joke with you there's a joke about this guy that was going up into the mountains and he was going up into the mountains to stay in this cabin and as he was driving his car up in this deserted dirt road for many miles up to this cabin on the top of this mountain he ran out of gas well, when he ran out of gas, he didn't know exactly what was wrong with the car, so he jumps out of the car and he goes around to raise the hood, and about the time he realized he left it in neutral and didn't set the park brake, and the car took off down the hill and over the cliff it went. So he's thinking, well, I'll just walk on up to the cabin. So he takes off walking up the hill to the cabin. As he's walking up the hill to the cabin, this great storm comes in. I mean, he's literally getting drenched by the rain soaking wet he's getting and he just knows that pneumonia and sickness and he's going to get a cold something's going to set in as a result of walking so far in the pouring down rain and storm that he's in and his car just went over the cliff he's feeling lower and lower and lower now maybe your story's not exactly like this but maybe you can relate to feeling lower things just aren't working out like they should in your life lower and lower finally he makes it to the top of the cabin or top of the mountain, and he sees the cabin. And boy, it's just off in the distance. He can see it, and the storm is still raging. And all of a sudden, there's a bolt of lightning that hits the cabin and catches the cabin on fire. And now he's like, holy smoke! Why me? 
And he looks up at God and he said, my car went over the hill and I've totaled it. I've walked up this mountain. I'm soaking wet. I'm going to get pneumonia. Now the cabin that I was going into for shelter has just been hit by this lightning bolt. It's caught fire. I have nowhere to go. I have no cell phone, no one to contact. So he looks up into the mountains and he says, God, why me? You ever been there? Come on, guys. You ever been there? Maybe not on the mountain. Maybe a cabin didn't get hit by lightning. But we've been in circumstances. We look around. God, why me? Hello? I've been in those situations. There was a voice that came out of heaven. Booming voice that came out of heaven. He recognized it was God's voice. And God said... In response to his question, God, why me? God said, because some people just tick me off. You're going to laugh. That's a joke. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like God's ticked off at you? You ever feel like everything you're doing in life, you're coming up short? And you're thinking, nobody loves me. I'm of no value. I'm not acceptable. Nobody's going to forgive me for my wrong. Let me, does God really do that? Does God really sit up there in heaven and take notes in your life and wait for you to mess up so he can send a lightning bolt into your life and destroy your little world? And does God really say, you know what? I'm going to send this because I'm just ticked off at you. Guys, let me tell you something. That's not our God. Hello? That's not our God. We serve a God that is forgivable. He forgives us. Listen to Isaiah 43 and verse number 25. He said, I even I, and I'm reading to you out of the Amplified Version, and he says, I even I am he who blots out and cancels your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Guys, aren't you glad that we serve a God who says, listen, when you come to me and you ask me to forgive you of your sins, I will forgive you. Not only will I forgive you of your sins, I'll blot them out and I will choose. And you got to put this in there because God is omniscient. He's all-knowing, never forgets anything. He says, I will choose to forget it. I will choose to never remember it again. I will choose to put it out of my life and out of your life. Listen, that's what kind of God we serve. And we need to start thinking like that. We serve a God who says, because of my grace, child, you are forgivable. Listen, we serve a God who says, I don't carry grudges. I ran across an individual this week that's carried a grudge for years. And as I was talking with the individual, they were sharing what had transpired and what had happened. And, and their words were, I'm amazed at the grudges people carry. You know what? People do carry grudges. Many people carry grudges all the way to their grave. They die really a miserable individual. We need to learn to forgive people. We need to learn to forgive as our Heavenly Father has forgiven us. God says, listen, because of my grace, you are forgivable. He also says in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse number 4, it says, long ago, even before he made the world, get this, we got into this discussion in our men's Bible study, Dan, a little bit this past uh, Saturday morning. Long ago, even before he made the world, God chose us to be, in a, to be his very own through Christ, who, through, through what Christ would do for us. He decided then, get this, to make us holy in his eyes without a single fault. And we who stand before him are covered with his love. Let me tell you something, guys. When you accept God's grace, you then become a forgivable individual. Amen? 
he will forgive you. Fifth and final thing, and I've got to move on from that one. Because of God's grace, the Bible says that I like this one. I'm capable. I'm capable. And I remember a uh, marriage retreat that we did many years ago. And, uh, and there was an individual in our church as we went around the table and, and the guys were asked some questions you know, what, what, what would your wife think of you? Or how, would they, how do they picture you? And we came back together and we shared what we thought our, our wife would picture. There was one guy around the table that says, I'm capable. <laughs> we all kind of laughed. Uh, I, think, I think, Eldon, I think you wrote down that your wife would think of you as a combine. Yeah, something, something like that. Uh, anyway, it's kind of funny. But anyhow, guys, you realize that in, because of God's grace, we are capable. We are capable. I mean, there's not one thing you cannot do because of God's grace. Listen to what the Bible says in Philippians 4.13. I'm going to read it to you in three translations simply because I want you to get a hold of it. Matter of fact, I think the best way to study the Word of God is to look at a verse in a particular translation and then read it in multiple translations to help you digest the verse and get a very good understanding of what's being said. In the New King James Version, Philippians 4.13, probably the one that we memorized most growing up, says, I can do all things, finish it for me, through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. It didn't say I can do some things. It says because of God's grace, I am capable of doing all things. You see, I tell my kids every day, there's not one thing you cannot do with God's help. Don't limit yourself. Hello? I heard Dr. Curtis Hudson many years ago preach a sermon about shoot for the eagles. It's just as easy as shooting at the skunks. <laughs> kind of fancy little title, but that's kind of the premise. You know, you can do everything. With Christ, there's not one thing you cannot do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the Living Bible translation, it says this, same verse. For I can do everything God asks me to do with the help of Christ who gives me the strength and the power. I like the Amplified Version as well. It says, I have strength for all things in Christ. Same verse. I have strength for all things in Christ. Matter of fact, someone asked me one time, I think it was just the other week, Brad and Justin were in the office and we were talking about this Amplified Translation. They were, what is the Amplified Bible? I said, you know what it is? It's where, it's where the writers took God's Word, the Bible, the Holy Word, and they took a, thes a thesaurus and they just put them together. <laughs> And, and, and the Amplified Bible just takes a word and it just amplifies that word. And it gives you several different meanings of, of that word. Listen to how they unpack Philippians 4.13. It says, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Boy, that's good, is it not? Do you get the point, guys? So quit telling yourself you can't do something. Quit telling yourself you'll not amount to anything. Quit telling yourself you just won't be able to achieve. Listen, because of God's healing grace, He tells us that we are capable. Amen? You see, every week as I wrap this thing up, every week we read articles, we listen to the news, we see the newspaper, we read magazines about how people are struggling with low self-esteem. And you know what? I say no wonder. No wonder we live in a world today where people struggle with low self-esteem. No wonder we live in a world today with people that are extremely insecure with who they are as a person. No wonder we live in a world today that because of people's insecurities, they're doing all these crazy things to their bodies and the way they dress and the way they act 
and the things that they're doing. And it all goes back because of their insecurities. They're doing these things. Well, let me ask you a question. How in the world can we become a secure person? How in the world can we live with security in our life? How in the world can we live without this low self-esteem that so many in our world have today? you got to understand something. Study after study has shown that the reason people have low self-esteem is because they are placing their security in something that can be lost, stolen, or taken away from them. And let me tell you something, folks. As long as you place your security in something that can be taken from you, you will always suffer from insecurity and low self-esteem, and you'll live in fear, and you'll worry, and you'll fret, and you'll be filled with anxiety, and you will amount to nothing. Why? Because you're placing yourself in something that can be taken from you. And we wonder why in the world our world today is suffering from low self-esteem. Let me tell you why they're suffering. Because they have taken God out of everything in their life. Hello? They have taken Him out of school. They have taken Him out of the courts. They have taken Him out of their life. They have taken Him out of their families. They have taken Him and they've replaced God with intellect and education and military and so and all these other things in the world. Now, I'm not against education, don't get me wrong, nor am I against the military, do not get me wrong. But anytime you place anything in your life and you try to build your security on that one thing other than God, I promise you, you will suffer from insecurities and low self-esteem and low self-worth and low value. Is anybody listening to me this morning? Hello? Hello? So what must we do? We must get God back in our life and we must be unapologetic in doing it. You see, well, I'm kind of up to here with this, this, this political correctness, with this PC world we live in today. Oh, can I go a little further? This is election week, hello? I hope and pray you're going to go out and vote. Now I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I hope and pray you'll vote according to this. Daryl, you got your wallet? I need a billfold. Thank you. See, mine looks nothing like that. That's conformed to him. I hope you'll vote according to this and not according to this. For those who are listening by podcast, I hope you'll vote according to this, the Bible, and not according to this, a wallet. Hello? You see, because you'll have people all day long that have promised you more of this, the wallet, and they may even give you more of this. But in the end, may I ask you a question? What exalts a nation? Prosperity? No. Wealth? No. You see, at the end of the day, they may even give you a stronger military. But let me ask you a question. What exalts a nation? A strong military? No. At the end of the day, they may give you an education. But let me ask you a question. What exalts a nation? Education? Are anybody with me? You know what Proverbs says? Proverbs says that righteousness exalts a nation. Hello? You know what we need? We need, a we need a revival on morality in our nation today. Hello? 
No wonder people suffer from low self-esteem. It's simply because they've taken God completely out of their life. They've taken morals completely out of their life. There's no right and wrong anymore. Everything's a gray. Everybody's being politically correct anymore. We're afraid to call sin, sin. And we wonder why our children are suffering from low self-esteem, low self-worth, insecurities. It's because mom and dad and everybody else around them is trying to build their security around everything in the world except God. And honey, when you do that, you will suffer. Amen? Oh, can I go a little further? This is election week. September the 11th, 2001. Tell me what happened. America was attacked by terrorists. World Trade Centers collapsed. How many people were killed that day? Do you remember? I do. How many? 3,000, maybe even more. 3,000 were killed on September the 11th. In one of my planning meetings this week, I was meeting with, actually I was meeting with Paul. And I was sharing with him how we're going to lay out our church calendar and we're going to plan our entire 2011 with our church and events and things. And I I even told him, I said, there's one date I don't want us to forget. September the 11th. Let's be sure September 11th next year we have some type of event so we never forget. I I think that's a noble thing to do. Do you? Hold on to your seat. I just set you up. 3,000 people died that day. Our nation was devastated at the death of 3,000 people. I sat at the TV screen that day with my wife and our children. We homeschooled our kids at that time. We gathered around the TV. Homeschool that day was watching the news. Our hearts were broken. A little bit of fear set in. We didn't know what was happening to America. Many of you felt the same thing. Can I put things in perspective today? Are you ready for this church? You're not going to hear this much in many pulpits across America. They'll be afraid they're going to lose church people and they'll lose tithing and membership and, and, and the budget won't be met. But you know what? I promised the Lord a long time ago I would preach the truth. If it hair-lipped the devil and the deacons, I'm going to preach the truth. Now, no offense to our deacons. That's kind of rhymed with a D. No, no parallels whatsoever. We got good men here. But here's my point. Do you know how many babies are aborted every single day in our nation? Hold on to your hat. 4,000 babies a day are being killed and murdered in the name of pro-choice. Are you with me, church? I know it's not seeker sensitive. I know people's going to get their feathers ruffled. But you know what? I'm up to here with political correctness. Our nation needs a revival in morality. When you vote on Tuesday, I don't care if you vote Republican or Democrat or Independent or Tea Party. I, you know, I hope you will look at the individual and you will wonder where's their stance. Not on my wallet, but on what God calls a sin, and that is murdering an unborn child. 4,000 babies a day are aborted. I know what you're going to say. The liberals say it all the time. Oh, many of those are incest. 
Do you realize statistics tell us that of all the abortions that are done in our nation today, only 1% are because of incest and rape? 6% are because of rape. 1% because of incest. 93% is because this child is an inconvenience to me. Are you with me, church? Don't let me stand up here by myself on this. Hello? 93% are simply because it's going to cramp my lifestyle. I enjoy living in my sin. I enjoy living an immoral life. 93%. What's, I, need, I need your help here, Terry. What's 93% of 4,000 a day? 3,600, roughly? Roughly 3,600 a day are murdered and killed simply because it's going to be an inconvenience. Friends, that's an abomination inside of God. And we wonder, we wonder, we wonder why we are raised in a nation of insecure people with low self-esteem, low self-worth, no value whatsoever. Let me tell you why. Because they have forgotten what God said and they have put in what the politicians and the educators should, are telling us. We need to get back to what God says about us. Romans chapter 12, we need to change the way we think. Hello? Woo! I, I'm, you, the good thing about it, I'm not running for an office. I don't need your vote on Tuesday. You may kick me out of this church, I don't know, but I'm working for Jesus. Amen? Can I give you one more statistic? Since Roe v. Wade came into law, get this, church. Do you realize that we have murdered 48 million babies? 48 million babies since Roe v. Wade. That's an entire generation. We've now, and we and we get upset at Adolf Hitler, huh? Really, really? We get upset when we study and read about the Holocaust, really? Why should we get upset? We murder four thousand every day. I didn't really mean to go this way, but you know what? So be it. By the way, that brings into play here a little something. We've provided for you. Does everybody have these? These voter guides? Does everybody have these? If not, I want our ushers to get them. I want you to get these voter guides. I want everybody to have them. This is for this Tuesday. Now here you'll see Republican, Democrat, Independence, Tea Party movement, whatever, whatever, whatever. Whoever's running, everybody's on here. Every single one of these candidates have been approached and asked what their stance was on abortion, pro-life or pro-choice. And this is a legal document that you, by law, can take with you to the voting booth and here are their responses to on whether they believe in pro-life or pro-choice. 
You'll find every single candidate that's on here, regardless of their affiliation, and you'll find what they believe. Now, those with a number one, they are fully pro-life. Those with a number two by their name, they are not in full support of pro-life issues. Those with a U beside their name is unknown. In other words, they did not answer or complete the survey and get it mailed back in. Those with an X by their name, they do not have a pro-life position, but they say that we do not have enough information to enable ICL to give a number of ratings, not enough information on the individual. A number three beside their name says that they will not support most pro-life issues. A number four beside their name says they totally oppose pro-life issues. And then the numeral sign, the number sign, says with rape and incest exceptions. So anyhow, I think we need to educate ourselves. Number one, we need to take advantage of one of the greatest rights. Matter of fact, it's boiling down to about the only right that we have in America anymore is to go and vote. Amen? We got, we got men and women that have died on foreign soil just to give us this freedom to go vote. And I want to encourage you, be, be an upstanding, godly Christian citizen and go fulfill your God-given duty and go vote. Don't sit at home this Tuesday. Go vote. I'm not going to tell you which way to vote. That's between you and God. But I am going to educate you. And I'm going to give you something in your hand that you should have received by now that will let you know which way the individual believes in voting for that as far as pro-life. Also, here's a, um, a website. Uh, if you want to jot this down, it's, is it not on here somewhere? Well, that right here, please go to the website, life.com, ICLLife.com, and download updates. Here's the Jude. Here, jot this down. Actually, let me, let me take it back there to Justin. Justin, put it up on the screen, if you will, please, in just a moment. We'll give you a website where you can go and get a lot of information. I didn't mean for this message to go there. When we edit it, we may need to edit some things out of this. I don't know. Do we? No. No? <laughs> I guess my point is this, guys. I want you to know there's a God in heaven that loves you. Amen? And you can have self-esteem and self-worth and security in your life when you place, replace with whatever it is you've tried to, tried to build your security around and put God there. So I wonder as we have our, our time of invitation, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to know that you have a choice to make. And the choice, the bottom line is, are you going to believe some, what somebody else says about you or are you going to believe about what God says about you? He says that you are acceptable. He says that you are valuable. He says that because of His grace, you are lovable. He says that because of His grace, you are forgivable. And because of His grace, you are capable. The thing is, we need to change the way we think, according to Romans 12, too. Be not transformed to this world, or be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way we think. I want you to know that God loves you. And He's given His marvelous grace to you. It's available for you. All you have to do is accept it. You see, I know that many of you have hurts right now in your life. There's things that you're dealing with. You say, what do I do with those things? I think there's a couple things you can do. Number one, you give your broken heart to a holy God, and he says, I will heal you. 
You accept Christ as your personal Savior. You invite Him into your life. You experience His saving grace. And at the same time, when you experience His saving grace, alongside that, you'll get His healing grace. And He will bring healing to your spirit and to your soul. I invite you to give your life to Him. The second thing I invite you to do is surround yourself with a church family. You see, I think about Rebecca Caprit this week, and by the way, she has told me to thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the church family, how you have surrounded her. Many of you have sat for hours with her and her family. And she wanted me to tell you thank you. Guys, listen, that's what a church family does. But some of you right now may be having some of these emotional hurts in your life. And you feel like there's nobody you can share it with. Let me tell you, there's a family called Victory Church Family that loves you and wants to minister to you and wants to come alongside and help you. And I invite you. I invite you. If you don't have a church home, consider making Victory your church home. The third thing I would encourage you to do is get daily in the Word. Spend some time every single day in God's Word. That's how we change the way we think. Like my wallet stays close to my hip, I encourage you to stay close to God's Word and your life will too be transformed by His Word. Father, at this time, we just give this invitation to you. And Lord, we ask you, dear God, that you'd have your will and way. And if there's one God that needs to do business with you today, I pray that today will be the day, God, when they would just give their life, heart, whatever the need is, emotional hurt to you. Have your way in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.